to Fantastic History. I'm Clay. I'm Sarah. We are a husband-wife duo who enjoy telling each other about amazing events, people, and mysteries throughout history. So today's story is a true crime. Yay! But this story isn't about a murder or a rape or really much violence of any kind. It's a mystery. Oh! And you know how much I love a mystery. I haven't had a chance to talk about one recently, so I'm pretty stoked. Okay. This fascinating criminal case shook Japan in 1984 and 85. Whoa. You who are listening may already know what I'm talking about because it's in the episode title. But Sarah, (laughs) this is the Glico Morinaga case. Okay. It's a really wild story, and it all begins with Katsuisha Izaki. He was the president of the confectionery company Izaki Glico. Some Glico candy products usually are sold here in the United States, so you may have seen or eaten Pocky sticks. Of course. Which are Glico. So Izaki is at his home in Nishiyama, Nishiyamiya, uh, Japan, on March 18th, 1984, with his wife and his three kids. And he's taking a bath. When all of a sudden, two hooded men enter his home, and they're armed. Uh-oh. So they first encounter Izaki's wife and one of his children, and they're young children. Oh, right? God. So the men tie them up and bind them, and they continue through the house to find um, Izaki. And they do find him um, still in the bath. Man. And he's actually with his uh, his other children, very mm-hmm. young, because mm-hmm. they're bathing together. Um, he fi- They... they they get into the bathroom, they, they find him, and they take him. They don't hurt the children. Okay. They take uh, Izaki nude. Yikes. Um, they take him in his car, and they leave everyone else in the house unharmed. She was. His wife is able to untie herself and calls the police, but they aren't able to find Izaki. The following day, um, a, a ransom message is delivered to a Glico executive demanding 1 billion yen and 100 pounds of gold. Whoa! So this equals to about 10 million in 1984 or almost 30 million today. Crikey. It's the largest ransom in Japan's history. Wow, congratulations to that guy. So Izaki's family was preparing the ransom, uh, but it turns out they wouldn't need to pay. Three days after his kidnapping, Izaki showed up alive. He had escaped the warehouse where his captors, while his uh, captors were away, and he, <laughs> and he was found by a, a nearby road maintenance. Okay. Uh, he had been held in a warehouse in Ibariki, Osaka, not far from his home. Oh wow! Investigators were initially suspicious. Uh huh. So why was Izaki able to so easily escape? Why did his captors leave him unsupervised? And these questions led them to consider that he. had might have staged the kidnapping himself. Sherry Papini style. But they couldn't find figure out a motive, right? Right. The details just didn't really add up, uh, but they couldn't, you know, they couldn't rule it out either. Mm-hmm. However, soon events would take place that dispelled their suspicions that Izaki had uh, voluntarily participated in the plot. A few weeks after the kidnapping, several Glico vans were set on fire. <gasps> In the company's parking lot. No, my parking. Then it was discovered that a container of hydrochloric acid had been placed inside the Glico building. Oh, my God. Then police received a letter saying the following. 
to Japanese police fools. Are you stupid? <laughs> Got him. There are so many of you. What on earth are you doing? <laughs> if you are real pros, try catching me. The letter went on to offer police hints to help them capture them. The car that they drove was gray. And they identified where they had where they shopped for groceries. Oh, weird. They concluded with, if you want new info, beg for it in the newspaper. After telling you all this, you should be able to catch me. If you don't, you are tax thieves. Wow. So the Zodiac moved to Japan and that's why they never found him. That's interesting. It really does have some parallels with that, right? Yes, it does. Letters taunting police and offering little clues to them would continue throughout the next year, the following mm. this year. Um, but about a month later, Glico received another letter from the criminals or criminal. But this one was not to taunt. It was to threat. Oh. Threaten. Yeah, I was going to say. They were threatening to replace Glico candy products in stores with, t- um, with tampered candy laced with potassium cyanide. Whoa, Nelly. But this time the letter was signed. It was it was it, the letter was signed, and the name chosen was the monster with the twenty one faces. Ooh, I love it. <gasps> so the name was taken from a fictional character that was mm. from a very popular Japanese mystery series called The Fiend with the Twenty Faces, and this character is a gentleman thief and a master of disguise who steals valuable items and taunts the police and his detective arch nemesis nice so that's where they they're they're pretty sure that they got the idea for the name sure the letter forced glico to pull their products from their shelves which in turn caused millions of dollars in damages Uh and lost sales and the firing of over 400 part-time employees whoa now, meanwhile, Glico had been testing the candy, but no poisoned candy was ever found. Uh-huh. Possibly for the best, but still a disaster. But on June 26th, about a month and a half after Glico had first received the poisoning threat, they received a new letter stating that they were ending their harassment of Glico. Oh, I will read some of the letter, but not all of it. Okay. We're satisfied. The president of Glico has already gone around with his head hanging down long enough. We would like to forgive him. In our group, there's a four-year-old kid. Every day, he cries for Glico. (laughs) We also have eaten none for a long time, and we used to eat it all the time. So we're also really upset. It would be great if we could forgive Glico so the supermarkets could sell their products again. We have destroyed 18 chocolates that had acid in them. Police, you did well. Continue your hard work. Not even Sherlock Holmes could have solved this case. Oh, please. If you read The Fiend with the 20 Faces, you will learn a lot. Signed, The Monster with the 21 Faces. So it was definitely the author of that book. <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm just gonna put that out there. That would be really funny. That would be amazing. That would be really funny. Mm, everybody should go out and buy a copy of this book so that you can solve the crime. <laughs> Seems the ordeal was over, except for the last line, which said, 
I would be back next year in January. Okay. This ended up not being true. Okay, cool. Two two reasons why. They never harassed Glico again. Mm. Okay. And they had already begun harassing another food company. <laughs> Listen, I've moved on. The story is not over yet. Wow. On June 22nd, a week before Glico received their letter ending the ordeal, mm-hmm. um, Marudai Foods received one starting their own ordeal. Oh, boy. A week later, they received another letter from the monster demanding 50 million yen from Marudai. Not wanting to suffer the same economic and PR disaster that Glico did, they decided to pay the ransom. Mm-hmm. Police decided this um, this was the perfect opportunity to set up a sting operation. Okay. They would have an undercover policeman take the ransom to the predetermined spot. They were told to board a train from Osaka to Kyoto. A white flag would be positioned along the tracks during the trip, signaling where they were to throw the money off the train. Okay. Sounds similar to the uh, Leonardo Loeb story, right? Yeah. And you really throw a bag full of uh, dirty undies. Yeah, yeah. You throw your hey, this underwear. started with a guy in the bath being attacked and pulled out naked. Now you've got somebody throwing Walter's dirty undies instead of the money. I think this might be the Big Lebowski. Hmm. That's a really good point. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Might be a coincidence, though. Oh, okay. Well, the undercover officer boarded the train with the money, and then he noticed a suspicious man who seemed to be watching him. And they were sort of anticipating that 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 that's why he was undercover, because you know they were going to throw the money off the train. In the previous story with Leonardo and Loeb, they there was no one on the train, right? Right, right, right. They were just going to wait and get it. Um, but they were suspecting there might be people. At least one person, maybe more, on the train sort of keeping an eye on everything. Right. And he believed that he saw this man. He described the man as short, with glasses, and eyes like a fox. Ooh. So he kept an eye on this fox-eyed man, as well as the white flag. But the white flag never showed up. Hmm. At the station in Kyoto... The officer disembarked to head back to Osaka because the instructions stated that he was to do it again if there was no flag. Okay. As he made his way through the station, the fox-eyed man followed him. Oh. But following him were other undercover investigators who had been stationed at the end point. Interesting. But following them, no, oh, God. oh my God, was 20 other men. There were, in fact, 21 faces. <laughs> So they were instructed by headquarters to not confront the fox-eyed man until he made a move for the money because they wanted to avoid any mistakes in this. Sure. They boarded the train back to Osaka and at Takasuki Station, they both disembarked with the fox-eyed man still following the ransom carrier until the officer entered a car that was waiting to take him back to Maruda headquarters. So at this point, the fox-eyed man, you know, he couldn't follow the ransom anymore he was mm-hmm. kind of like stuck okay so he got he uh boarded a train back to kyoto and um the the undercover officers continued to follow him back to kyoto mm-hmm. 
So back in Kyoto, they observed the fox-eyed man waiting for another train, but then he left, and as he made his way through the station, the investigators lost him. Oh. With the ransom undelivered and their only suspect vanished, the police were back to square one. Bummer. Yeah. As 1984 turned to autumn, the monster with the 21 faces struck again, demanding a ransom of nearly $500,000 from Morinaga. Okay. If you remember, this case is called the Glico Morinaga case. Right. And this is Morinaga. Okay. So Morinaga refused to cooperate, and the monster retaliated. Uh Uh-oh. On October 8th by sending letters to news organizations stating the following. To moms throughout Japan, in autumn, when appetites are strong, sweets are very delicious. <laughs> when you think sweets, no matter what you say, it's morinaga. We've added some special flavor. The flavor of potassium cyanide is a little bitter. It won't cause tooth decay, so buy the sweets for your kids. <laughs> We've attached a notice on these bitter sweets that they contain poison. We've put 20 boxes in stores from Hakata to Tokyo. Uh Uh-oh. Now, as you may recall, Glico was threatened with the same thing. Yeah. Tampering of their candy on store shelves with the same poison, potassium Mm -hmm. cyanide, and none were ever found to have been poisoned. Right. Despite the letter saying that they... Destroyed eight of them. Destroyed eight of them. Unconfirmed. Right. Still, Morinaga products were checked in the stores. Um in the stores that they were sold and this time they found them oh my god boxes of candy with a label stuck to them on the outside reading danger contains poison that's so bizarre if you eat this you will die monster with 21 faces that's so weird yes that you would specifically label the ones that shouldn't be eaten like that kind of takes well a lot of the fear out of it like with the tylenol murders well well, it could have been any tylenol in the city and there was no way to know well it really depends on your purpose Mm -hmm. if you want to kill people then you wouldn't put a label on it but if you want to strike fear into people then you would Mm -hmm. right for me personally i'm not labeling them either way because it's even if the the thing is to cause fear you could just say that you're poisoning them and not put any poison in any of them and then none of them are marked and so everyone is scared all the time well i did think about that and they did that with glico so maybe they decided to up the ante a little Mm. bit so that it wouldn't just be oh here they go again the monster with 21 faces making their empty claims Mm -hmm. so this is one step into one up but sarah these boxes were tested and shockingly the tests confirmed the candy was poisoned. What the hell, man? Indeed, with lethal doses of potassium cyanide. So they were warned, but the warning was real. Those right. products would have killed someone. Dang. They, 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 they didn't just go in and start labeling products. Yeah. Mm. So 21 poisoned products were found. But the letters from the monster warned that they would release more into stores, this time without the label. That's more like it. So, uh, yeah, they're upping the ante. Mm -hmm. Things were getting out of control, and panic was at an all-time high. 
But finally, after months of no leads, no progress, police finally found something. A CCTV in a convenience store caught footage of a man placing a Morinaga candy on a shelf. <gasps> Did he have fox eyes? We'll get to it. Oh, dang it. This candy was later confirmed to be one of the poisoned packages. Uh-oh. Footage of who was dubbed Video Man <laughs> was released to the public to help identify him, but it proved very difficult. Yeah. The footage was very poor quality. I mean, you said this was the 80s? This is the 80s. Yeah, that's not going to look good. It's a convenience store. So it's probably got like artifacts from the 3,000 other times they've used the same tape. Well, you, you you nailed it exactly. Hey! That exact tape had been re-recording over itself for like a year. Oh, yeah. So the the, the tape was poor quality. Mm-hmm. The equipment, you know, was not high quality. Cheap. Even even for the time, mm-hmm. because, you know, you're going to spend a lot of money on surveillance. I mean, you got you got bills to pay. Right. So as a result, Video Man was never and has never been identified. Uh-oh. Just like with the fox-eyed man, their two suspects were out of reach. Police had lost yet again. Dang. And they could have been the same person. Right. Who knows? Meanwhile, Morinaga had suffered the same damage as Glico. All products were recalled, and their presence on store shelves was basically non-existent for anyone who dared to eat the candy. Now, do they, I guess they don't have any candy that we would be familiar with in America, Morinaga? I am not sure. Okay. Okay. I really only checked Glico. Gotcha. Police were sent to markets across the country to try and catch anyone placing poisoned packages on shelves. But no one was ever caught. Japan was in a panic. The country had never seen anything like this before. It's a country with, with pretty low criminal oh, rates, yeah. crime rates. So this was crazy. The following month, yet another company was threatened. House Food Corporation. So House chose to pay the ransom of uh, ten, uh, 100 million yen. Oofa doofa. They said... We're not going to go down that path. <laughs> Forget it. They were instructed to take the ransom to a rest stop outside of Kyoto. When investigators arrived to take a look at the scene, they saw someone in a nearby phone booth wearing a cap and glasses. Mm-hmm. So that's a little suspicious. What are you doing out here at a rest stop? <laughs> now, when they tried to confront the man, he fled on foot. Uh-oh. And the officers were bizarrely instructed to not pursue despite one officer believing that it was the fox-eyed man oh dang it now i believe the man i believe this officer who believed it was the fox-eyed man was wishful thinking because he was one of the guys who was on the train earlier okay so i think he was like that's definitely the guy that got away Mm -hmm. okay maybe maybe not but regardless he got away this man got away but later that night, a Shiga officer found a parked station wagon station wagon with the engine running. Was it gray? I don't know. Oh man. I don't I can't remember. Okay. I didn't write everything down about the station wagon. All right. It'll be a little suspicious. They he approached and the driver was wearing a cap and glasses. Uh oh. And headphones. Mm. The same man from Kyoto. Oh my god. When he noticed the police, he immediately sped away, 
and this officer was not able to jump in his car and and, and start a chase before the station wagon had vanished. Mm-hmm. So whether or not this was the Fox-eyed man or who knows. In, in January 1985, police did release a sketch of the Fox-eyed man to the public. The sketch resembled a local Yakuza boss <gasps> named Mana, Manabu Miyazaki. Yeah, let it go, guys. He seemed like a real potential suspect. He even had issues with Glico's illegal waste disposal practices a decade earlier. Oh, uh oh. Sort of, and he and he looked like the guy too. Yeah, like like the sketch of the fox-eyed man. Sure, but he had a solid alibi. Sure, he did during the sightings of mm-hmm. the fox-eyed man. So either he found alibis, or he indeed was not. They they, they couldn't charge him. I feel like if you're a Yakuza boss, Mm -hmm. it's pretty easy to get somebody to provide an alibi for you if you don't actually have one. Um, Indeed. But who's to say? But it may not have been him at all. Mm -hmm. Because although although, uh, it looked like him, the motives, as I understood, were pretty flimsy. Okay. Um, But, I didn't write this down, but... Um, a little while later, maybe a, a few years later, or maybe a, a decade. Again, I didn't write it down. Um, Miyazaki wrote an autobiography mm-hmm. about his time in the Yakuza and everything. And the cover included the bottom of his, like, like you know, half, half his face, the bottom of his face and the top of the sketch of the fox-eyed man. What the hell? Either oh my, either being a little coy like it was me, mm-hmm. or just using the the fact that he was um, the potential suspect that was never caught, right? As like, hey, here's a good way to boost some sales of this book. Oh my, everyone knows this story. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm loosely related to it. I'm gonna slap this on here, then people are gonna really pay attention oh to it. Oh my god, winking those little fox eyes. Pretty pretty clever idea, right? Yeah. Anyway, the monster with the 21 faces continued to send threatening letters to food companies into 1985, but there were no more poisoned products on shelves. Police continued to work the case relentlessly, but couldn't crack it. But then something happened that for once caught the monster with 21 faces by surprise. Oh my gosh. Police superintendent of Shiga, Shoji Yanamoto, was relieved of his duties. And hours later, committed suicide (gasps) by setting himself on fire in his backyard. Oh my god, that is intense. It's unknown how related these events were to the Glico Morinaga case. If they were related at all. Mm -hmm. But the shocking news clearly caught everyone by surprise. Yeah. Including the monster. Oh. Following his death, the monster with the 21 faces sent its very last letter. Oh, my. And here is some of what it said in that letter. Yamamoto of Shiga Prefecture Police died. How stupid of him. Oh. We've got no friends or no secret hiding place in Shiga. It's Yonishu or Shikataka uh, who should have died. 
what they have been doing for as long as one year and five months. We decided to forget about torturing food making companies. <laughs> if anyone blackmails us, if anyone blackmails any of the food making companies, it's not us, but someone copying us. We are bad guys. <laughs> that means we've got more to do than bullying companies. It's fun to lead a bad man's life. <laughs> Monster with 21 faces. Wow. And that was it. Police received 28,000 tips, <laughs> questioned 125,000 people. Oh, God. And over 1.3 million officers worked on the case. Holy shit. I didn't even think there were that many officers in Japan. It's not that big of a place. Yeah. Oh, my God. But in February February 2000, the case was officially closed as the statute of limitations had expired. Oh, man. The National Police Agency had conceded defeat, and it was the first time they had ever failed to arrest a suspect on a case they were investigating. Wow. Congrats on that, though. Miyazaki had been the only serious suspect in the case. The fox-eyed man and the video man were never identified. The arson at Glico headquarters was never solved. And Azaki's kidnappers were never identified. And for 36 years, the monster with the 21 faces has been silent. That's messed up. Isn't that crazy? Yes. Yes. I thought so, too. I'm very angry, as you know. I know you love a story that has a, a solution, but the fact that this one doesn't and everything points to someone should have someone should have seen something mm -hmm. and they didn't. It's just so fascinating. Yeah. But that's the truth. <sighs> Fine. So if you enjoyed this story, please... Uh, Rate and review us on whatever podcast platform you are listening to us on. If you would like to send us a letter of recommendation, perhaps you would like to say hi. Or a ransom note. Or a ransom note. We are fantastichistorypod at gmail.com and we are also on threads and Instagram at fantastichpod. So until next week, be careful. Bye-bye.